We've been joined by Babushka. That Babushka is getting fur in my lap. It's literally um, right about to hit play, and then <clears throat> Jasmine just bulldozed her way. Bulldozed her way <laughs> through my arm. Like, hello. When she wants something. Yeah, I got, got help. The poor soul that I was to excited because it was like, I have been chosen. <laughs> yeah, but she realized you weren't me and came back to my Ain't no way. <laughs> At least she's in between us. Oh, she's shedding so much. Yeah, she's. Oof. <laughs> blow it at me. That sounds weird. I'm. It's your fan. Oh, what we're not even to? set up, you monster. Gosh. Oh. So we're we're kind of like off our game. Yeah. We we just got back from a tattoo consultation. I'm so excited. Cat's parents are in town, so yes. we're all over the place. Please yeah. bear with us. Yeah. My parents <laughs> called and like, we're kind of in town. I was like, oh, I need two or three hours on Saturday. <laughs> I count for schedule. Oh, but yeah. Okay. Jessica. Yeah, you are listening to Difficult Damsels. Yay! I'm Kat. <laughs> I'm Rachel. She, she beat me to the I lunch. win today. <laughs> and, yeah, welcome to um, Jasmine. Jasmine shedding. Shedding. Freaking shedding. You guys can't see it, but no. she is this <sighs> big. Fluffy white You'll hear cat. it in a second when I start coughing because Rachel's throwing it at me. I, I'm I'm trying to get it off of her. Well, stop it! I don't want it. It's gonna end up on you anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the notes because Rachel was ill prepared this time Excuse around. Excuse me, I was not. You were how's life? Uh, it's pull up your notes. <laughs> for everywhere. I'm like, it's good. It's great, huh, Rachel? It's fantastic. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> It's been just one week. It's been one week. <laughs> um, I'm just getting ready for. I have a vacation coming up in over oh, a yeah. week. Going to California, so I'm yeah. just. I know. I always say that. I'm like, whatever. I'm going to like Arrowhead. So suck my dick. Okay, um, maybe later. The audience <laughs> doesn't need to know about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm going to like Arrowhead. It's. Uh, we're celebrating Mandy's birthday. Happy birthday, so. Mandy! <clears throat> Just uh, anytime you try to take a week off from work, it means getting all your work for that week ready to go beforehand, and it's yeah. like double the work. Yeah, and I don't mind doing that. I I, <laughs> I struggle with coming back from a vacation. Yeah, and then just like looking at your inbox, and you're just like. I <laughs> so despite the fact that I'm going on vacation, my computer will be with me and I will be going through my emails because I can't handle the idea of coming back. Yeah, that makes, I would that makes cry. Sense. Yeah. No, I, I, I get, I get, I go crazy when I don't have like, you know, like I file all my emails at the end of the day. Yeah. But I leave the ones that obviously are still, I'm still working on. See, in I have an actual thing. folder that's my in progress. No, I have folder. to see it. It has to be in my face. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's just I have to have it in its own separate spot that I know, like, this is where I'm working out of. Oh, yeah. See, I work out of my inbox. So everything, once I'm done, like, right when I'm done, it gets That would drive me insane. But that's the beauty of Microsoft Outlook is you can organize it the way. Okay, this is not an ad for Microsoft Outlook. <laughs> 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 not an ad here. Not sponsored. We do not 
be sponsored. Oh, okay. Wait, we don't? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could if you I wanted. You could sponsor Microsoft if you're you listening. at least give us some money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give us your money. Oh, yeah. We both work for a living, so we clearly don't have money. <laughs> yeah, no, but the money we make from this podcast would... What are we at now? Like 10 bucks? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would basically go towards creating ads so that okay, the freaking not, algorithms on social media no, actually show the stuff. I'm not, I'm not letting Facebook take that over. I'm not doing it myself. <laughs> do it. I still, oh, I know did the post. I need to do it. What post? The Cleopatra one. Oh, shit. <laughs> Guys, it was a bad week for me like, this last week. It's been a, it's been a bad Look week for all of us. What are you doing? She's enjoying the She past. is in heaven. Let her be. Oh. She's look at look at that face. Everybody <laughs> says cats aren't affectionate. You oh. haven't met a cat. You haven't <laughs> met any of my three. The fan is already making noises. Do you wanna No. Okay. I don't, don't wanna, you know, bake, so <laughs> You don't wanna bake? That's yeah. not your thing? No, I I'm not uh, not Hansel or Gretel, so oh. I prefer to not be baked. Thy witch in the woods. I'll have a drink with the witch in the woods for sure. So the menu I prepared for later involving a la cat is not on the table. Darn it. Okay. That sounds like you. <laughs> Guys, we're going to have a great night. <laughs> oh, man. Why is my child so cute? I can't get over it. Sorry. She is adorable. She is. She's. She... She's very much enjoying her. She literally right looks like she owns my leg, though. If reincarnation is a thing, I would like to come back as a cat. That's just completely my worship. I, I can if it's you an option. Do. <laughs> we could be cat best. This actually is like ties into the episode because the Egyptians worshipped cats. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, we are on episode fifteen, Woo-hoo. Cleopatra, part two, part dos, part due. <laughs> Um, Why did we just go into eight different languages? I, okay. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Everyone should learn something every day. Yeah. <laughs> sure, Jam. <laughs> um, I'll give you a brief recap on the no, first episode. No, they don't get a recap. Can, they have to list it. Ha- I'm going to just do a recap of where we You guys should totally off. listen to the episode before this if you haven't, because, wow, Rachel and I were in top four. <laughs> yes, we were off the rails. Oh, my I God. I was so annoyed with you, and I, it comes to You were room. very annoyed with me. I warned you. <laughs> no, it's all good. Like, I'm like, that's our relationship, oh. though. That's us being authentic. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're annoyed with your friends. It's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just doesn't always come across on the podcast, Rachel. Are you annoyed with me today? Not always. Do you need Do you need to air something out? No. You want to hash something out? Do you want to? Do you want to fight? Let's do it. <laughs> you can't ask me if I want to fight. Then back out. I'll fight you if you need to fight, but I don't want to. Well, that makes me miss kickboxing like, so much. I miss kickboxing. Oh too. God. We'll have to. So much. I would say we'll have to get back into it, but we're both so busy now. So I know it's disgusting. Well, I'm gonna start working. I mean, I would have to do mornings because I'm gonna start working nights. I'm being attacked by fur. Okay. Speaking of off the rails, continue. Yeah, okay. So brief recap of where we left off. I'm not gonna do the whole episode. Okay. So when we left off with Cleopatra, she had just survived a ten month siege in Alexandria. Which was ridiculous. (laughs) Caesar had just arrived back in Alexandria after defeating Cleopatra's brother's forces at the Battle of the Nile. 
I never actually named that battle in the last episode. Um, but there you go. Oh yeah, you did. That was its name. Oh, oh that was the Nile. Okay. okay. <laughs> Ptolemy the Thirteenth died after his boat. Ptolemy the Five Hundred Nineteenth. <laughs> after his boat capsized, there's gonna be more Ptolemies. So just God damn it! Put Ptolemy. It's Ptolemy. Ptolemy. You have thirteen. I'm gonna fuck it up. <laughs> um, the name it starts with a P. And for the longest time, I thought the same thing. Ptolemy. I could call it Ptolemy. <laughs> I had a friend correct me, and I was like, "Oh, I should probably know that." Um, Arsinoe's leading commander, Ganymedes, was killed in the battle and Arsinoe was captured. And Cleopatra is now the indisputed queen of Egypt. Or is it undisputed? Undisputed. Undisputed, right? Obviously, should have just gone with that. Yeah, I mean, whatever. (laughs) All of her rivals have either been eliminated or captured. She is also a couple of months pregnant with Caesar's child, Cethereal. Oh, yes, (laughs) Cethereal. Slash Ptolemy the 14th. Uh, It's Ptolemy the 15th. Where the fuck's 14? We're, it's the Do other brother. No. Oh, there's, oh, shit, there's, there's another, another brother. brother. Oh, no! <laughs> Spoiler I alert. was so excited. I thought they skipped one and my dream came true where they accidentally skipped one. No, oh, my God. <laughs> there's so much fur. Sorry, um, anyway, if you want more details, please go back and listen to the yeah. first episode. <laughs> yeah. After the end of the Civil War and the parties that followed, there was a cruise along the Nile. The Roman historians would later describe this as a pleasure cruise, one one in which Caesar allowed himself to become subdued by leisure and evidence of Cleopatra's self-indulgence and gross opulence. I want to be subdued by leisure? Shit. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) You'll often find most depictions of this cruise showing Caesar and Cleopatra inebriated as slaves wave fans at them. And feed them grapes or figs. Um, oh, is that where that comes from? I'm sure that probably happened too. Yeah, yes. pretty much. But a cruise along the Nile was ceremonial for Ptolemaic kings and queens. It was something all of them did near the start of their reigns. Oh, it gave, yeah, it gives the countryside an opportunity to see their new monarch. It's like the English one they ran through the country. Yeah. Huh. It's, it's basically I would a rather, procession. I would rather along the river. Yeah, right? So Cleopatra had pragmatic reasons for orchestrating this cruise. The common folk had sided with her during the war with her brother. The aristocracy may have hated her, but the common folk loved her. Having won the war, it was her duty to show her face among them. For Caesar, who was famously curious about other cultures when he wasn't completely eradicating them, it was an opportunity to travel the famed Nile River that produced food for the ancient world and to visit the Great Pyramids that were already recognized as one of the seven wonders of the world. Yes. It was also a tradition to welcome powerful foreign visitors with a cruise along the Nile. So Caesar wasn't all that special after all. Yeah, Caesar, calm the fuck down. <laughs> In addition to the Great Pyramids, the cruise would have included stops to view the Colossi of Memnon. Memnon. The Colossi? The Colossi, yeah. Oh. I have pictures, so I'll put these. Oh, oh it's like a statue. Yeah, so these are but the like two statues, and then, yes, you can see them from miles away. Yes, that's cool. Can I have those out front? Is that what you want in addition to your um, death parade funeral procession? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I bet to the list. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these, these two stone statues are of the pharaoh... Amenhotep III, and again, they were visible from miles away. They would also visit the tombs of the pharaohs of the past in the Valley of the Kings. Ooh, that sounds fun. The Valley of the Kings? 
have you never heard of the Valley of the Kings? It sounds familiar, but that's I thought it was a book, to be honest. That's where literally um, a majority of the pharaohs are buried. Yeah, that's so that's cool. this right here. Have we dug it up and yeah. removed them all? That's yeah. disgusting. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot serious of reservations. Oh, I do too. Why would that be an issue of disturbing the dead? I worked in a that that mummies. Um, you worked at the science museum and they the had the center, yeah, and they had the mummy exhibition. Thank you, exhibition. That's what I was trying to remember. And man, was that creepy. <laughs> yeah, you said it was haunted. Oh yeah, no, I I was like, you mummies stay. Like I was in the gift shop, man. I was like, you mummies stay. Wait the fuck over there, and I'm gonna stay over here. I would be a little and upset. We don't mesh. If you dug me up and put me in a different country, uh, it's that I was so disrespectful. About. Like I just, yeah, yeah. like no, it's not, it's not your religion and it's not like your afterlife, but that doesn't mean you need to disturb it. Yeah, like ugh, it's weird. Well, you can still go visit the Valley of the Kings, and there are still tombs there. Yes, I mean, yeah, why can't we just like visit them? Like, where do they lie? Yeah, hold on, I'll get that money. Okay, Egypt, can I have some gold? <laughs> um, and then another place they visited was the Temple of Isis. Ooh, oh, that's cool. And that's does there. that you can still visit that. We should go to Egypt. I I want to go to Egypt. Shit. I've always wanted to go. Don't get that whining tone. Oh my god. <laughs> I really want to go. So the further they got from Alexandria, the deeper they traversed into the heart of Egypt. They would have been leaving behind the marble colonnades of Greek architecture and been greeted with the ancient Egyptian structures of limestone and sandstone. Goddamn desert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the desert, but also it's an oasis along the Nile. Yeah. They were treated to views of the oasis <laughs> <laughs> that spread along the world's largest river and supplied the greatest store of grain in all the world. Yes. It was the wealth of Egypt on display for the entourage of people that followed Cleopatra and Caesar. Um, you want to take a guess on how many ships were included in this little flotilla? 500. Go higher. What the fuck? I was kidding. <laughs> Wait, no, go lower. Oh, you bastard. Um, 300. It was a fleet of 400 ships. Damn it. I literally was like, oh. <laughs> they carried all of Caesar's legions that had come with him and Cleopatra's choirs. Why are you about to bring everyone? Because it's you're showing off Egypt. You're literally like You think Caesar's gonna go and like put his soldiers through all that bullshit and was just gonna be like, Yeah, I'm going on this cruise and you gotta stay here in Alexandria? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> no, he took them with him. Oh, okay. Um They literally sound like those guys at the gym who like lift weights, but then they have to scream when they do it and then like throw it down and make all the noise. I'm like, Can you chill? Pretty much. God. <laughs> Put your fucking peacock feathers away for five minutes. Sorry. No, you're good. So so similar, you already mentioned like when the kings of England would travel around the country. Mm -hmm. um, and when that would happen, you would get bards that would come along in each city that went or just anyone who wanted to tag along. Same thing happened here. You had little fisher boats. That like, sounds terrible. Join the procession. That sounds like a very crowded Nile. <laughs> the Nile is very big. Yeah, but fucking 400 boats yeah. and then some? I don't think so. <laughs> Caesar would have seen for the first time what it meant to be worshipped as a living god. Cleopatra's yes. people did not just see a queen. She was an extension of Isis herself. Caesar claimed a descent from the goddess Venus, as all powerful Romans are wont <gasps> to do. <laughs> Your stolen god. But nobody ever worshipped him as such. <laughs> yeah, because just because you claim it doesn't mean it's true! <laughs> 
But of course, the Romans only saw a leisure trip of depravity. And that's how they wrote about it. Because the Romans don't know how to have fun. No. They're very stiff. I mean, like the Roman people do, but the Roman aristocracy, not so much. (laughs) So Apian, he was a Roman citizen out of Alexandria, and he wrote 200 years after the fact that he is famous for saying that Caesar enjoyed his trip on the Nile, and he enjoyed himself with Cleopatra in other ways as well. Wow, bitch. You could just, like, outright be like, they was bumping. <laughs> it was bumping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't come a-knocking if the boats are rocking. Our old history uncle friend, Suetonius, <laughs> claimed... Forgot about them. Claimed that... Oh, yeah, they're, they're writing all about this period right now. <laughs> he claimed that Caesar had been complacent and Cleopatra reluctant to let him return to Rome, going so far as to say that Caesar was so ensnared with her that he would have followed her to Ethiopia had his soldiers not threatened mutiny. Of course she was enthralled with him and wanted to keep him because it's either that him or her little brother. <laughs> Listen, either Listen, way, <laughs> all vacations have to end, unfortunately. Damn it. And Caesar does eventually return back to Rome. Oh, the fat lady saying. Not, it was me. Okay. <laughs> not long after he returns, Cleopatra gives birth to Cesarion. <laughs> he ends up being divine. I'm sorry. You're fine. <laughs> he ends up being divine on two accounts. His lineage descending from the Roman goddess of love, Venus, on Caesar's side, and the Egyptian goddess of the moon, of life, and of magic, Isis, by way of Cleopatra. Oh, Isis, yeah. So, again, all pleasure cruises along the Nile have to come to an end at some point, and so Caesar does eventually return to Rome. Here's here's the thing. Rome had not heard from Caesar in approximately six months. <laughs> Alexandria was still <laughs> in the middle of a siege the last time they had heard from Caesar. Did they think he died? Some people were panicking, wondering if he had died. <laughs> Others were kind of hoping he had died. You guys. You guys, where is Caesar? Like, seriously. That's basically what they were doing in the Senate. <laughs> Who knows where Caesar where is? Where is Caesar? <laughs> and also, Does anyone have a line on Caesar? <laughs> I hope Caesar's dead. There were a lot of them that felt that yeah, way, that too. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so while Caesar was fighting someone else's civil war for them and, gallivant- and gallivanting along the Nile, almost every other province of the Roman Empire was on the verge of rebellion. Jesus. He'd also left his good buddy, Mark Antony. Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> in charge of Rome. In Caesar's absence, gross mismanagement was rampant because Mark Antony kind of sucked at the job. Cool. <laughs> so Rome itself was on the verge of revolt. Rome's like, fuck. <laughs> by this point, the parents are gone, so the children are going to revolt. Basically. <laughs> so by this point, Caesar has established himself as a dictator. This was an official Roman title, and it marked the beginnings of the end for the Republic. With Pompey officially out of the way, courtesy of Cleopatra's dead brother's advisors from the last episode, go listen if you haven't already. Um, They beheaded him. Spoiler alert. Okay, you just gave it away. I don't have to listen. (laughs) There was little standing in his way. He gradually gained more power for himself and weakened the senatorial powers. Yeah, because it started as a trim triumphant yeah that one yeah and then him and pompey and somebody i totally forgot marcus, irrelevant marcus crassus he's not crassus famous. yeah he's not his but... only claim to fame is being very rich and defeating spartacus 
Spartacus part. <laughs> Except for the Spartacus part. <laughs> the one time slaves are actually almost able to take on Rome. Yeah. Oh, it's really funny, oh. too, because even though he technically defeated Spartacus, Pompey shows up at the last moment to, like, round up the last of the rebels and then rides into Rome basically saying, like, yeah, I did as much work. Look what I did! Crass is like, are you fucking for real? That is exactly, he was very pissed. <laughs> That's like those assholes in group projects who are literally like, where the fuck are they? And then they show up for the presentation and you're like, who the fuck are you? You're like, you didn't do shit. Yeah. Why are you here? And that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Caesar gains all this power. It's basically been a long time coming. Caesar had been consolidating power over the past couple of decades. The Republic had done everything they could to fend him off, refusing him, refusing to let him enter the city of Rome at certain points in his career. It never works, guys. <laughs> this isn't a podcast about Caesar, though, so if you want more details oh, yeah. on this, there are a myriad of other podcasts you can go listen to. Yeah! What you do need to know is this. Caesar is the most powerful man in Rome, emperor in all but name at this point, but his days are marked. The Senate has grown weary of the power he wields, and his prolonged absence in Egypt has allowed for his rivals to plot his eventual downfall. Before returning to Rome, Caesar had left behind 12,000 soldiers in Alexandria to protect Cleopatra. He also took her troublesome little sister, Arsinoe, with him to Rome to show off the wannabe queen as part of the spoils of war oh from his sojourn no. to Egypt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not great. <clears throat> Back in Egypt... When Cleopatra gave birth to Sisadion, it coincided with the harvest on the Nile and further emphasized her godlike status. Oh no. <laughs> the rise of the Nile had been proven bountiful the year that Caesarion was born. The previous year saw record lows, which had resulted in the drought and the civil war. For someone that knew the power of optics, Cleopatra couldn't have asked for better timing for the birth of her son. She's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Walks out like, look, he's a god. So basically, Cleopatra is associated with Isis, and then her infant son is associated with Horus. That's a lot of the imagery you get of the two of them. Yep. His birth was a blessing from the gods. The rise of the river, which proved to be Egypt's life's blood, was proof. And yeah, so, her nature was just like, here you go. I fucked you last no, year. So. She's, she's the lady of abundance. She's the personification of an earth goddess that provided for her children. She is a god. Oh, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I want to be called the Lady of Abundance. Sounds pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're like, I want more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once Cleopatra's rivals were eliminated in Egypt and civil unrest had been subdued, she enjoyed a relatively peaceful reign. Cleopatra was known to be a diligent and hardworking monarch. Before bathing, dressing herself, and applying her makeup and jewelry, she would read through reports delivered from around the city and receive briefings on affairs of state. Her rule was about as absolute as it could get. In addition to administrative duties, she would hear petitioners and dispense justice, help manage the economy, determine prices of raw materials, and commanded both the army and the navy. She was frequently updated on the status of grain stores and food supply, making sure her people were fed. Cleopatra was also the head of the church. She was quite literally the head of state, the high priestess, and the merchant-in-chief of Egypt. There is no rest for the wicked. Apparently, shit. Yeah, I think this is the part that gets forgotten, is that Cleopatra was busy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. 
She, of course, also had her subordinates and advisors, all of whom helped her run the day-to-day -day business of her kingdom. Whereas the Romans had their Senate and England would later have its peers of the realm, the people that held positions within Cleopatra's court were known as the Order of the First Friends. What? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous. <laughs> and they were all either Greek or Egyptian natives that happened to speak Greek. You basically, like, if you didn't speak Greek, you could not be part of nobility. Isn't it? Her people were also notoriously taxed to all living hell. Pretty much anything that had a name was taxed, including the profits from entrepreneurs that owned bathhouses in the city. <laughs> yep. Wow. They're like, what? <laughs> Unless we marvel at the complex economy that helped make Egypt one of the wealthiest kingdoms in the world, let us also not forget the fact that it was built on the backs of slaves. Yeah. For what it's worth, Cleopatra allegedly made a concerted effort to hold her officials to the highest of standards. Whenever a case of abuse or extortion was brought before her in court, she was said to have always sided with her subjects. Outside of court, people would even approach her on the street with their grievances. Oh, wow. Yeah, it must have been emotionally and mentally exhausting, but Cleopatra saw it as her duty. She very much wanted to be a queen of her people. Well, it was her duty. Yes. <laughs> She did not hide behind a curtain yeah. like the she Romans do. So. It made for spectacular optics, a fact Cleopatra would have been aware of and undoubtedly perpetuated. And so her popularity within Egypt skyrocketed. Eventually, Cleopatra was able to settle the debt her father had acquired from his Roman creditors. So she does eventually pay off that enormous debt. Hey guys, look at this weird pile of gold back there. <laughs> Unfortunately, this left the treasury completely depleted, and she would oh, use... Oh, don't do that. Well, so here's the thing. She would use that excuse to later deny Rome's request for aid. She'd basically be like, yeah, I'm sorry, I already gave you all my money. <laughs> oh, okay, that works. <laughs> um, despite her relationship with Caesar, it seemed that Cleopatra had learned the lesson her father had failed. She did not intend to be subordinate to Rome. Yeah, she's a walking goddess. <laughs> she's like, fuck you and your stupid, <laughs> petty, small dick... Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Under her watch, Egypt experienced a new renaissance. She managed to stabilize the economy and inspire a new golden age of art and innovation. And for the first time in nearly 150 years, northern Egypt enjoyed peace. After the initial unrest instigated by political bullshit within her own family, Alexandria settled down. Not a single revolt will occur for the duration of her reign. Yes. A little while after Caesar returned to Rome, Cleopatra made preparations to visit him. She brought with her her infant son that Caesar had yet to meet, as well as a wealth of gifts to present to Rome. Included among the gifts were exotic animals such as leopards and giraffes yeah. that all got to travel via boat with Cleopatra. Yeah. Now, Suddenly don't like Cleopatra anymore. <laughs> this, uh, they all did. I know. <laughs> <laughs> My personal favorite amongst the gifts that Cleopatra Patra brought with her from Egypt were the jars of the Nile River, as the water was known to have healing and fertility properties. Oh. You mean the water that everyone should invest in? Yes. Cool. <laughs> that's right. why it's great for helping you have a child. Oh, uh, that's gross. <laughs> yeah, it should be. Oh, God. <laughs> and when she and her entourage of people arrived in Rome, they were greeted by Caesar's people and ushered off to his villa on Janiculum Hill. Janiculum. The villa was outside the actual city of Rome, and at this point of time in history was considered to be on the dingier side of town. 
not near as grand as the city of Rome itself, nor at all like the accommodations Cleopatra would have been used to. Also traveling with her was her brother, husband, Ptolemy. Oh, God damn it. Still ever the ornament. <laughs> not long after Cleopatra arrived in Rome, Caesar held his Alexandrian triumph. Triumphs were essentially huge parades that were held following the success of a Roman general's military campaign. They were conducted as a form of self-aggrandizement and self-publicity. They usually lasted a full day and included troops of actors and acrobats and street banquets. So he basically got two of those because they had their Nile cruise. And then he yeah. went home and was like, well, this way. is more... One of those things would have been more pleasurable for him. This is very much showing off his spoils of war, which we're about to get into. (laughs) So he'll end up holding four triumphs for his four conquests in Gaul, Greece, North Africa, and Egypt. Okay, you just combine it. So the (laughs) the thing with Caesar is he had previously turned down an opportunity to hold a triumph because it was a political thing the Roman Senate did in order to be elected as a consul you had to first be in the city to be considered and they basically told him you can't enter the city if you plan to do a triumph so he was like fine I'll just put my triumph off and then became consul oh cool yeah and now he's making up for lost time (laughs) Caesar's triumph was essentially you're being stared at (laughs) Caesar's triumph was especially extravagant, adopting the style of Egyptian pageantry and grandeur that he had seen in Alexandria. His soldiers wore plated tunics. Effigies of the fallen Aquilas and Pothinus were presented as spoils of war. Again, these were Ptolemy XIII's advisors from the last episode. Paintings of the Nile and a model of the lighthouse of Alexandria were included as if to suggest that he conquered them too. He fucking ruined them. (laughs) And then a life-size sea battle was even recreated to show the Romans triumphing over the Alexandrian fleet led by Arsinoe's forces. Caesar's men gave out gifts to the throngs of onlookers, as was customary. He distributed what amounted to three months of wages to everyone in the crowd. Oh, wow. Okay. Along with gifts of wheat and oil, all courtesy of Alexandria. I was going to say this is ridiculous, but that made up for it. I mean, it's still ridiculous. It is still ridiculous. It's all a publicity ploy, but I would also take three months worth of wages. (laughs) Yeah, same here. Yes, please. At the end of the procession were the human captives, all led in chains and walking on foot. Among the captives were Cleopatra's sister, Arsinoe. She was completely weighed down by the golden shackles that imprisoned her. Golden shackles? Are you for real? Yep. Oh my god. A picture of stoic dignity. It was intended to awe the spectators, but apparently the crowd was instead overcome with sympathy and moved to tears for Arsinoe. Yeah, because you don't just... Well, they'd never seen a queen in shackles before, too, so that was part of it. And she was a woman. Yeah. They're used to seeing male captives. Cleopatra herself did not attend. Triumphs meant only one thing, a kingdom conquered, and she would have seen it very differently. Arsinoe would end up banished to the Temple of Artemis in the city of Ephesus afterwards, while Cleopatra was left to her own devices for a time. I feel like it's a bad thing. Okay. (laughs) I mean, she's probably stuck doing, like, bullshit servitude. Yeah, I know. Stuff in the temple. Um... 
but Caesar leaves for a couple of months to deal with the last remnants of Pompey's legions in Spain. They're still going? Yeah, there's still there's still people if you like are a diehard supporter of whoever yeah. and they were his legions, so they never fully came under Caesar's heel. Yeah. We have to also think the last the end of the Civil War when Pompey had his head cut off. I'm sure there are some people that still hadn't heard that Pompey was dead. Yeah. And true. Caesar you didn't mean to tell me there was no cell phones and like social media to like get that was the thing. thing. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. There were pigeons. Pigeons. <laughs> pigeons. The pigeons Fly got shot down. <laughs> Why did I turn French? Sorry. Right. It, it's fine. I wasn't questioning it. <laughs> Cleopatra was a curiosity to all in Rome, yet she knew very few people herself. Caesar's wife, Calpurnia, would have been kept in a separate villa for, for propriety's sake. For um, his sanity's sake. <laughs> there was also a third rival in town that also happened to be an exotic Eastern queen. Because again, if anyone is a slut in this story, it's Julius Caesar. It's Caesar. <laughs> we should all just stab Caesar. Don't we do that? Mean Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, every time I see Caesar now, I just think of Gretchen saying that. <laughs> The gossip on the streets was about as vicious as you could imagine. For his part, Caesar did little to hide Cleopatra in their numerous rendezvous. He even had a statue of her erected next to the statue of Venus in his forum and carved in the likeness of Isis. Wow. <laughs> this was especially noteworthy for the time as he had yet to commission a statue of himself. It would have been the equivalent of updating your relationship status on Facebook for all the world to see. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to update our relationship our relationship status in this way. You want me to erect a statue of you? Yeah, in the um, image of like Freya. You want Freya or, or the Morgan? Weird mix of both. Okay. Okay. Let's see what I can do. I like it. But I want a statue of Hecate mixed with the goddess Isis. Okay. Okay. Done. Cool. It's weird. That's how we announce it. To <laughs> They're going to be outside. <laughs> Rome was a city of strict grid-like streets and wooden and plaster structures. The marble structural architecture imported from Greece had not yet taken hold of Rome. This was a city devoid of color and spirit. Alexandria, by contrast, was a metropolis of different cultures all mixing together. Caesar City would have paled in comparison to the extravagance Cleopatra was used to in Alexandria. Yeah, Cleopatra's like, oh, this is drab. Yeah, drab and boring and gross. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of dirty here. <laughs> have you seen this film? <laughs> Cleopatra also flaunted the wealth and luxury of her country that stuffy old Roman men aboard during their, uh, due to their aversion of blatant displays of opulence. If you listen to our Agrippina episodes, you already know that good Roman women were seen and not heard. Sometimes it was preferable that they were not even seen. Cleopatra was not this woman. (laughs) She very much was a a woman. She's like, I'm not hiding behind this veil. Like, no. Women in Rome also had the rights equivalent to that of cattle. And here was a woman that could capably rule though the Roman historians will never once mention the capable no, part. No, 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 no. And she represented everything that Roman men feared in a woman. Rachel, if you don't write it down, it doesn't, it's not real. Yeah, that's not it doesn't works. exist. Well, somebody wrote it down. Obviously, not the Romans. <laughs> no. I mean, yes, but they basically wrote it to be like, look at how awful this woman look is. Look at the witch. <laughs> she wears pearls. Thank you. <laughs> I can see her. 
<laughs> can hear me too, bitch. I just imagine her like saying that in the background. <laughs> she had autonomy over herself and others while also being economically independent. She was beholden to no man and to add insult to injury. She was disgustingly wealthy and in fact wealthier than any other man in Rome. Oof, egos are burned. <laughs> Chief amongst her crimes, she wore pearls. God. Yeah, no. <laughs> they were considered the diamonds of this age, and to wear more than one or two was considered gaudy. And Cleopatra loved her pearls. She's a fucking goddess. She's gonna wear <laughs> pearls. <laughs> she used to she used to have them sewn into her hairnets, and then she is famous for having the largest pearls in the known world at the time that she wore as earrings. Good lord. <laughs> It's aggressive, but you do you. <laughs> Very aggressive. I do like the pearl hairnet, though, I will say that. I, yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> Cleopatra and Alexandria's influence were also evident in some of the policies Caesar was trying to adapt in the Senate. Inspired by the irrigation system in Egypt, Caesar proposed engineering a canal from the Adriatic Sea to the Tiber River to help boost trade. He also had the Roman calendar updated. Previously, the calendar consisted of 355 days with a random month periodically thrown in whenever someone felt like it. Just the fuck out of yep. me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a thing. I just want an extra month, guys. It makes dating anything prior to this period particularly difficult, and indeed people of this time period would often get confused about what year they were living in. So Caesar changes all of that. He adopts, He's like, fuck this shit. We need to change this. <laughs> he adopts the 12-month, 30-day system with five extra days tacked onto the end of the year, courtesy of the Egyptian calendar. Yeah, we still fuck that up because there's not 30 days in every month. And Well, no, but the, the calendar we have now, it comes, it was yeah. molded from this calendar. And yeah. we have the Egyptians to thank for it because it was Cleopatra's astronomers and mathematicians that helped him. Do it. Yes. Thanks, Cleopatra. Thanks, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Cleopatra allegedly stayed in Rome for 18 months, though some sources suspect these trips were broken up by interludes to visit Alexandria. What we do know, it, it, just to give you an idea of like how strong her grip was on Alexandria, oh. if you think about it, like the fact that she was able to be away for so yeah. long and not have that city rise up against her means yeah. a she had capable people running it. Yeah. And they trusted her to come back oh, yes. and respected her. Yeah. She's a goddess. We do know that at one point Caesar summoned her and um, it was to basically officially recognize Caesarion as his son. Oh, damn. So, is, is that his first son or his? So he doesn't have any children. He oh, only had she... Julia who had been married to Pompeii and she died. Oh, yeah. So the Romans had this practice of literally laying a child down at the supposed father's feet. And only after the father picked the child up was he or she officially recognized. I kind of like that. Is that weird to like that? It's a little weird. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Because. I mean, it's stupid if the guy doesn't pick it up. But. The father could and did sometimes leave the child there. Yeah, why? Because he didn't want to recognize it. But why? Because he was a dick. I don't know. But why? <laughs> I mean, I would imagine if you were married to somebody and somebody else tried to say, this is my child. Okay, well, that is a different, different thing. So several adaptations of this story will dramatize this moment as occurring before all the powerful men of the Roman Senate, along with Caesar's wife and the men all gasping and pleading with Caesar to ignore the child. <laughs> <laughs> no, my lord, don't do it. Oh, my God. 
Sorry, guys, my mic just fell. Did you hit the table with your foot? No, I didn't. Yes, I did. Um, wow, just throw me under the goddamn bus. <laughs> By recognizing Caesarion as his son, this would have put Octavian's status as Caesar's heir up for debate, and indeed it will create problems later on down the road. Who the fuck is Octavian? Oh shit. Alright. So Octavian is his nephew and his adopted son and heir will become Octavius, who will go on to become Augustus. The Jesus first motherfucking ever Christ. Why can't you just keep her name? Because <laughs> they're Romans. <laughs> God. I'll I'll get into Octavian a little more later. Okay. But again, Octavian is the supposed heir at this point. So I'm by recognizing Caesarion, it's well, gonna I'm create. so confused because you're like, yeah, you only had Julian. I'm like, you're saying. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. Remember, Romans can adopt some. Yeah. You know, it's a thing. You're like, you're my heir now. I cool. guess I like you more than other people. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> it, they, that's what they do. Yeah. yeah. Cleopatra's visits to Rome were likely as much for personal reasons as they were for matters of state. She would have been trying to ensure that Egypt remained independent as an ally of Rome rather than a subjugate. It may have also been her and Caesar's intention to prop up Caesarion as the unifier of two kingdoms when he came of age, officially joining Egypt and the Roman Empire, all ruled by this godchild. As far as uh, rivals within Rome, Cleopatra's most outspoken enemy was Cicero. At one of the, the dinner parties that Caesar put on, he invites all the known philosophers, intellectuals, and politicians of the day to converse over wine and dinner. That sounds like a fucking great party to be at. Or incredibly pretentious. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> Cleopatra would have no doubt charmed the dinner guests with her, her famous wit and intelligence. But the only contemporary account we have from this dinner is Caesar's well-known enemy, Cicero, who famously said of Cleopatra, I, det I detest the queen. Okay, that's rude. So Cicero was known as one of the great orators of the day and a detractor of Caesar's from the very beginning, um, mostly because he loved his beloved Republic and was just aghast at what Caesar was doing. Um, Do you mean ruining it from the inside out? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cicero is one of the few people that Caesar is never able to bribe. Uh -oh. He'll bribe almost everyone else in the Senate, but Cicero is like, no. Your money is trash. <laughs> Basically. Um, a lot of the famous one-liners we get from Rome come directly from Cicero. Hell yeah. He was a particularly gross human being in his own oh. right, though, <laughs> having famously divorced his wife of three decades in order to marry his teenage ward, no. Woody Allen style. Mm -hmm. Woody Allen style? Yeah, Woody Allen married his, like, adopted daughter. Oh, did he? Uh -huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. I literally, when you said Woody Allen style, I thought that was a name. <laughs> I was like, is that like... You know who Woody Allen is? No, I know who Woody oh, Allen okay. is, but the way you said it, it all like was like one line. And I was like, Woody Allen style? Like, is that a name? No. Is that where Woody Allen got his name? He basically did gotcha. the same exact thing where he married yeah. his teenage ward. It's gross. That's uncomfortable. Even among his own content, yeah, <laughs> content for her especially. Um, even among his own contemporaries, Cicero was known for being an obnoxious know-it-all, and Cassius Dio once said of him that Cicero was the greatest poster alive. Mm -hmm. So apparently... Sounds like a great guy so far. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong. You're going to love this. So 
Cleopatra basically pissed Cicero off because she existed. She she promised him a book from the Library of Alexandria and then decided at the last minute, LOL, JK, I'm not giving it to you. Oh my god, you can't do that! <laughs> Cicero loved his books. Like, he really, really loved his books. So in, in addition to all the other typical misogynistic reasons to hate her. She no, I, I would, I, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> he was a dick to her. I know, but so she yeah. was like, I'm not giving you a book now, you're a dick. Give some book, book. So Cicero basically he hates her because she's Caesar's side piece, and she's also a strong-willed woman. No, but she's not just Caesar's side piece. No, the fact that oh. she could trade barbs with him is yeah. what made him not like her. Oh, but basically, no. you knocked his ego down several things. He was mostly upset that her library was cooler than his. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing to be upset about. That's totally irrelevant. <laughs> Listen, sense. don't be a dick, and then you can have a book from the Library of Alexandria, okay? Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. No! Despite the obvious shakeup to gender norms that Cleopatra represented, there were different troubles brewing in Rome that were taking up Caesar's time and attention. Caesar was continuing to amass more and more power while struggling to keep up with every matter that needed attention in an ever-increasing and expanding empire and he did not particularly care about making friends, forming alliances, or observing tradition. He was used to getting everything his way, either by means of bribes or blatantly waving his sword around and, re and reminding people of his military might. I just got <laughs> blatantly waving his sword around because I'm 14. That's hilarious. <laughs> On February 44 BCE, Caesar names himself dictator for life. Uh, okay. And then he, so basically to, it was another political position that was supposed to only run for a year. Yeah. And Caesar was like, no, nope, yeah, I'm just going to keep it. And then he set his sights on Parthia. This is a thing the Romans like to do occasionally. It often gets them killed. Yeah. Parthia was possibly the only empire that could put up any resistance against Rome. And it stood between Rome and India, the end goal of any campaign against Parthia. Marcus Crassus had done this and been killed for it. Alexander the Great had tried and failed to get there as well. It's pretty much a doomed endeavor. Pride be the fall of man, and Caesar would be no different. Yeah. This Nobody else has done this before me, but I'm but be I can the do one it. to do it. Yes. You're going to be the one to die. <laughs> so this expedition would likely take Caesar three years to accomplish, and that's if everything went according to plan. The problem was that Rome... Rome would not survive Caesar being gone for that long. Yeah, they're like, dude, you were gone for six fucking months and we almost lost it. Yeah, like a year, but yes. <laughs> there were domestic matters that needed attending to, and Caesar was neglecting them all in the name of glory. To make matters worse, an oracle delivered a prophecy that only a king would take Parthia. And Rome did not have kings. Not for a thousand years or so. That's what the Republic was for. No one singular man was to be recognized above all the others. Remember, the word king put the fear of the gods into the Senate. They were worried that this was Caesar's end goal all along. And it didn't help that his chief mistress happened to be a queen herself. Yeah. And so now we get the crux of the argument against Cleopatra in Rome. She represented the absolute rule claimed by divine right of a monarch, and Rome had feared that her very existence had rubbed off on Caesar, fueling ambitions that would eventually lead to the destruction of their beloved republic. 
There, I love that her existence rubbed off, and all I see is her like doing like the weird bear rub with its back <laughs> against <Yes>. Caesar. <laughs> Here, take some. You are a god now. You are a god and a king. Wow. And so we come to the end for Caesar on what history now remembers as the Ides of March. Julius Caesar is one of the most well-known figures of all world history. I'm not going to go into the nitty-gritty political detail that led to his assassination. Several podca- podcasts, again, already exist. You can go oh, listen to them. them. <laughs> All you need to know is that the chief conspirators were Brutus, Cassius, and another lesser-known Brutus. <laughs> he was Brutus's well, cousin. <laughs> which Brutus are you? <laughs> Some of the men that participated in his death were longtime rivals, and others were his dearest friends, Brutus counting among the latter. I love how it took multiple people to bring him down, though. Mm-hmm. You guys, like, just validated everything that he looked for. <laughs> Cicero was, curiously, not invited to the stabbing party. And Poor he'll... Cicero does not get invited! <laughs> he'll later lament that fact. Oh, my God. But he didn't hate Julius. He hated Julius's love. No, he hated Julius Caesar. Oh. He'd always hated Oh, yeah, Julius duh. Caesar. You just said that. Yeah. Wow. Focus, cat. <laughs> The Ides themselves referred to the first new moon of any given month. And at this point in history, the Ides of March specifically signified the first full moon of the new year. So basically, it's another excuse to be recognized as a religious holiday that involved feasting and partying in the streets. Because yeah. we all know the Romans love to look for any excuse to party. And that's exactly what the citizens of Rome were doing when Caesar set off with his two besties, Mark Antony and Publius Cornelius Dolabella. <laughs> to visit the Senate and make final arrangements to depart for Parthia. Plubis? Plublius. Publius? Publius? Literally, it's like. Publius. Sounds like you're having a seizure, and that's what came out. Like. He arrived at the theater of Pompeii in Rome, where the Senate was meeting, laurel diadem upon his head, and immediately took a seat in the new gold chair he'd had crafted for himself. I love laurel diadem. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Senate rose to greet him, and then one of the senators moved toward him with a petition. Caesar dismissed the request with a wave of his hand, but the petitioner pulled Caesar's toga toward him and revealed a knife. <gasps> his petition was a knife? He <laughs> <laughs> pulled it out from the... Here's my petition, bitch! From, the, uh, from his toga. <laughs> the first Did you find anything in those togas? <laughs> they have pockets, I'm sure. He's like patting himself to say, where's the knife? <laughs> They get pockets women don't. Fuck off. <laughs> the first assailant barely grazed Caesar's skin, but by now he was surrounded by his senatorial colleagues. And then each and every person that surrounded him began to stab at him, aiming Jesus. for his face, his chest, and his thighs. Caesar attempted to fend them off, bracing his face with his arms as best as he could, while also turning to look from one assailant to the next in utter shock and fear before eventually sinking to the ground. Can you imagine? That would be so. Ugh. He had been stabbed 23 times. Caesar's last words have been a matter of speculation and fodder for poetry and drama for the last 2,000 years. Suetonius wrote that Caesar had actually said nothing, but he does make reference to other writers of the time suggesting that his last words had been, me too, child. Somewhere along the lines, these last words were changed to, et tu, brute? Then fall Caesar, courtesy of William Shakespeare. And again, that's because yeah. he recognized Brutus and was yeah. like, even you, Brutus? Oh, yep. Upsetting. 
A little bit. Yeah. Not Brut- a good way to die. Listen, Brutus gets his. It's okay. <laughs> Afterwards, the senators all fled from the scene of the crime and left Caesar's dead body where it had fallen. The conspirators, led by Brutus, entered the streets of Rome to announce Caesar's death, but were met with silence from the crowds. Word eventually began to spread among the people in Rome of Caesar's death, which resulted in a pandemonium of grief and chaos. Roman citizens locked themselves in their homes, fearing occupation, and people set fire to Caesar's forum, which burned down neighboring buildings. This is not what the conspirators had expected at all. Caesar was beloved by the commons, and they had killed Rome's beloved prince. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually, the conspirators fled and went into hiding, fearing for their own lives. Cicero also went into hiding, even though he had not actively participated in the assassination. He's participating himself. (laughs) His vexation with Caesar was well known, so he would have been guilty by association. Oh, my gosh. So where was Cleopatra during all of this? I just think of... Before you go on, like when you say they all ran, I just think of the end of world. She, she's guys, <laughs> she's guys, fires and missiles. Oh, <laughs> we're shooting <laughs> So great. Oh. So there's no detailed record that exists, and much of what we have is speculation based on the planned movements of Caesar. A trip to Parthia would have taken Caesar from Cleopatra for at least three years, so it's likely she would have already been preparing to go back to Alexandria. Cleopatra became an easy scapegoat for some that were looking to justify the murder of Caesar. They cited her obvious influence on him as an autocratic ruler herself. And then came the the rumors that Caesar had been intending to pass a law, allowing for him to marry multiple women at the same time with the intention of having children with them, presumably because his actual wife was unable to do so. I love that they're so scared of her because she runs her kingdom well. Yeah, women aren't allowed to do that, Kat. Mm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The rumor was further conflated to suggest that he intended to marry Cleopatra herself, an obscenity in and of itself, not because it was polygamy, but because she was a foreigner. And they were racist as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Some even suggested that he intended to move the capital of the Roman Empire to Alexandria and leave his friends, namely Mark Antony, to rule in Rome itself. And the Senate had its own reasons to hate Mark Antony, but we will save that for part three. Over time, the story has been so conflated as to suggest the idea that Caesar should be an absolute ruler was singularly planted in his head by Cleopatra. She was the snake in the Garden of Eden, promising Eve knowledge. She was the whispering voices created by Zeus to torment Pandora until she finally decided to open that damn box. It's, it's a tale as old as time. The woman is always responsible for the ills committed by men. Girl. <laughs> the Roman poet Lucan, uh, his full name is Marcus Aeneas Lucanus. <laughs> Continue on with the ridiculous name. There's got to be more. <laughs> Lucan will later go on to write the Cleopatra aroused Caesar's greed. Pretty sure he was already a greedy motherfucker. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Yeah, anyone who knows anything about Caesar already knows that he had ambitions that involved consolidating as much power as he could from the Senate for decades now. Yeah. Just look at his actions before even meeting Cleopatra via the carpet. Yeah, like the one time he threatened the city of Rome itself when he and his 13th legion crossed the Rubicon River. Yeah. 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 He didn't need Cleopatra. No, no. For his ambitions. (laughs) 
Cleopatra was no doubt an influence, but not nearly to the degree that Roman historians might suggest. Caesar had pissed off a lot of people long before Cleopatra even entered the picture. And it seems even Caesar considered her very little of an influence because when his will was read two days later, she factored nowhere in it at all. The will named Gaius Octavian as his heir, awarding him three-fourths of Caesar's wealth and bestowing upon him his name as well. I feel like this is not the real will. <laughs> no, it is. Oh, it is? Yes. Are we sure? Yes. 100%? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> it's the will that survives, too. I doubt it survives to this day. Yeah. But um, everything that's bequeathed with the will does come to fruition. Okay, so in naming Octavian as his heir, this will come back to bite Cleopatra in the butt later. Uh-oh. But that's also a spoiler for part three. Dun, dun, dun. Mark Antony was also curiously left out of the will. He had arguably been Caesar's greatest ally, and for this he was rewarded with the guardianship over the 18-year-old Octavian. <laughs> Caesar also left his villa to the Roman people. He will award every adult man 75 drachmas. Whoa. It was a further slap in the face to the Senate that would claim Caesar had been completely selfish, only ever acting for himself. Uh, Caesar's like, fuck you, even dead. <laughs> he was selfish, but he apparently knew the power of propaganda, even in death, yeah. and it was the final middle finger from the grave that he gave to the Senate. Oh. Cleopatra watched the chaos unfold from Caesar's villa. Rome was normally pitch black at night, but it became alight with the fire started by arson from the grieving city. She did not stick around for long. No. (laughs) She knew all too well how dangerous the city could be when its population became unhinged. She's like, this is a pepper keg. I ain't going to stick around for it. Yeah, Alexandria pretty much wrote the book on it. Yeah, I did this already. I'm not. I'm out. (laughs) I'm not staying here. (laughs) So within a month, she and her entire entourage made for the ships that would take her home. When Cleopatra left Rome, she was pregnant again with Caesar's second child. Oh, I didn't know she had a second one with him. But oh, no. somewhere along the line, her grief was doubled as she lost the child, Damn, presumably from a miscarriage. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think she lost it. Um, um, overseas, probably? I, I like think so. Going across the sea, because that's real rough? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cleopatra still had Caesarion, though, and Caesar had given her one last gift before he died. The island of Cyprus had been returned to the Ptolemaic kingdom. She would never set foot in Rome again after that, but fortunately for her, Caesar's laws remained in effect, and so Egypt, at least for the time being, remained an ally to Rome. It would be a precarious alliance. Caesar might be dead, but the politicians that remained in Rome are all scurrying about like rats to fill the void he left. Caesar has an heir now in the form of 18-year-old Octavian. He also has a natural-born son in the form of Caesarion. This child will be the ace of Cleopatra's sleeve. He'll also be her Achilles' heel, because as long as he remains alive, he's a rival to Octavian over in Rome. Upon returning to Egypt, Cleopatra learns that her sister Arsinoe has been busy. Even though exiled in Ephesus, Arsinoe has managed to organize supporters to help her take back the Egyptian throne with the aid of some Roman backers. A pretender claiming to be the dead Ptolemy XIII has also surfaced. And not long after these potential... domestic disputes came to light, Cleopatra had her 15-year-old brother husband assassinated via poison. Oh, no. She uses this opportunity to name Caesarion as her co-ruler. And ever aware of the power of optics and propaganda, 
Cleopatra put herself and her son forward once again as living avatars of the gods Isis and Horus. In Egyptian mythology, Isis's husband, Osiris, was brutally butchered by their brother out of jealousy, just as Caesar had been in Rome. Isis then travels the world to find her husband's body parts in an attempt to put him back together. Isis's love and devotion to her dead husband becomes her strength, and so too did Cleopatra wrap herself in the mantle of grief and strength with the intent to avenge her dead lover and eventually lift her son up in his place. In Egyptian mythology, Horus will avenge his dead father, and so too did Cleopatra intend for Caesarion to avenge Caesar. Cleopatra is 26 years old at this point. Caesarion is three. That's a big fucking burden. To put. You're just going to carry this on your shoulders? You're going <laughs> to avenge your father? The kid's like, I'm three. Dude, I'm three. <laughs> Literally on one hand, three. <laughs> and this, dear listeners, is where we will end this episode. <laughs> I feel like that like makes me like imagine you in this like high wingback chair with like a cup of tea and like <laughs> and a fire crackling beside you. Yes. Yes. I'm just like I'm my, over here like a dog in the corner. <laughs> my dearest of listeners, you will have to come back to hear part the three. end of the story in part three, Woo! where we will tell the epic love story of Mark Antony and the most and Cesarion. And the most famous death, probably, um, of a female mar- monarch in history. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. My sources for today's episode are Cleopatra, A Life by Stacey Skiff and Wikipedia. And we have time for a little random question. Hell yeah. Ready? Yeah. Okay. So our random question is, can a good man or a good woman make for a good king or queen and can a good king or queen make for a good man or woman? You go first, because you have notes. <laughs> notes. Yeah. All right. So little random notes on Caesar. I think he's a great example of this question. Not all of it was bad. Some of his reforms included modernizing Rome and rebuilding the city as it was in a state of decay. He also provided opportunities for upward mobility to the lower classes and ordered landowners using slave labor to hire more free workers. He put restrictions on lending to ease the burden of debt, something that had driven Romans to bankruptcy in the past. He also offered temporary relief to citizens that struggled to pay rent and worked to improve housing for the poor. And he gave citizenship to the Gauls that had fought besides him. The flip side of that was that Caesar was stubborn. He sucked as a politician and did not care about alienating people. (laughs) His philandering was well known and his wives were held to the highest standard while he screwed anything he pleased, forcing his wives to endure the humiliation. And then there was the genocide. In what has been dubbed as the Celtic Holocaust by historians, he conquered and subjugated ancient Gaul. This territory was approximately the size of Texas and consisted of what is now modern-day France, Germany, Belgium, and Switzerland. Up until 100 years ago, modern historians celebrated Caesar's so-called accomplishments in Gaul, completely discounting the fact that approximately 1 million people were murdered, including women and children. Approximately 1 million people were also enslaved. Between murder and slavery, it's said that about two-thirds of the population was completely wiped out. Jesus. And we know about it because he wrote about it. 
he wrote about it basically to justify his actions yeah. to Rome because even Rome was like even Rome was like excuse up. me <laughs> oh yes my gosh. so Caesar's considered both the best and worst of men and that's basically my answer yeah. in the words of Ragnar Lothbrook power is dangerous it corrupts the best and attracts the worst Power is only given to those who are prepared to lower themselves to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, no matter what, if you rule over different factions, I mean, you're always going to have you're, one faction yeah. that's happy with what you did and one faction that's pissed off. You're just always going to sacrifice one person's happiness for another. Yeah, and, and I think that's the hardest position to have, let's yeah. be honest. But some people really fuck it up to do <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it, it's kind of I'm gonna use another quote from um the Dark Knights, Harvey Dent. He says, You either you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I love that quote so much. Yeah. And it's totally true, yeah. I mean Yeah, power is gonna corrupt and eventually, especially in a situation like this, if you are at the top there's only one place to go and that's to fall and few mm -hmm. people survive the fall. Yeah. So it's a matter of life. And, and you death. can even have like the best intentions in, mm -hmm. in mind, but you're always going to fuck someone over. Yeah. Like it, no matter what you do, no matter what avenue you take, there's always going to be someone who's just not happy with what you did. And, and it could be, I, Caesar's also a perfect example of the whole idea that, Caesar treated the nobility terribly, but his reforms were great for the commoners. Yeah. So while the nobility would cite all of his atrocities that were valid, the commoners don't care. They yeah. just want to make sure they have roofs over their head. The and literal the, the nobility that murdered him. So let's yes. just think about that for a minute. Yes. <laughs> this was yeah. um this is a thing brought up in A Song of Ice and Fire with the Mad King Ares. He literally burned people alive they were yeah. the nobility but you know when the events of game of thrones picks up um the common folk they'll often be like we miss the old king yeah and i think aria at one point she's like oh you mean king robert he, they're like no not him at all we mean aries yeah under aries we had food and our yeah. homes weren't on fire yeah so while aries was absolutely atrocious and committing war crimes in one place uh -huh. The commoners again yeah. they weren't the ones suffering yeah very interesting yeah i think that that duality is 100 percent human yes like yeah you're never going to be perfect you're always you are almost always bound to make a selfish choice a selfish yeah. decision to rise up and you know make yourself better to the detriment of you know i think history a, a is sprinkled with a handful of people over the past two to three millennia that you could genuinely say that was a good person who also but they still capably. but they still had yeah. you know but they they're dark moments they come above they're they're not quite the caesars that yeah. actually committed genocide they're, yeah they but their dark moments are, are yeah. little considering everything that they do yeah but yeah you never. But that's why history is so interesting. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think even if you start out as a good person, mm -hmm. the decisions you have to make is that 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 top dog and the king that and weighs on your soul. Yeah, and yeah. you're. I mean, you have to make those decisions, and you're not always going to agree with your own decisions. I don't think. 
a weak-minded person would be able to do that. No, no, no. That's there is. It, it takes a very specific, very strong we person. We saw that. We saw that with Henry the Sixth yeah. and Margaret of Anjou. Mm -hmm. Her husband wanted to be a good person, yeah. and he didn't have the political aptitude to be like you can't. Like if you want to be a everyone. good person, go remain a commoner. Don't, don't go be a priest. Yeah, don't. And even then, <laughs> God, yeah, excuse me. Um, go commit yourself to a life. That's yeah, but just I mean, the higher up you go, the harder the decisions are, and you're, you have you're gonna these, have to sacrifice your own self worth. You have too. all these interests yeah. that are eventually going to force you to yeah. make a decision. And you have all these different yeah. people whispering in your ear and of course you're going <laughs> to or rubbing against yeah, you. Yeah, or like rubbing against head. you like a bear in a tree. <laughs> like, please, Andrew, calm down. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's it. That's it. That's all we got for you. Like that this question? Week. Yeah, I like that question. So, I yeah. love how you asked me that question. I think, like, what? It was, it was like Two episodes before. I think it was for Agrippina, and we just didn't Yeah, we just it. never did it. And you'd yeah. think that I would think hard on that question to have a great answer. <laughs> it's a but... very deep question. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone wants to ask random questions to anyone yeah. in their life, you are more than welcome oh. to use this one. Random questions are fun because you get to figure out, like, who the person is yeah. based on their answer. I love random questions. Okay. <laughs> I was watching this TikTok, and it was um, this woman talking about her dating experience on dating apps and similar to me yeah. she loves random questions yeah. and she posted about one of them and how it just like went completely south but it was her question was how do you feel about the moon Ooh. and the dude just I am obsessed with the moon. wasn't wasn't playing along at all he was just like i don't know what's the moon it's in the sky i guess and she was just like leave it <laughs> I'm not responding to you because yeah. you're dumb. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, it's all about like, are you willing to put forth an effort into a question that yeah could give you more than just a sentence? Plus, it gets rid of the fucking small talk. I cannot stand I small, small talk. talk I'm like, yeah. just we've, I think we've been over this. All so, this what do you podcast. think of the moon? I fucking love the moon. <laughs> moon is amazing. I think it's very inspiring. Yeah, it's inspiring. It's got so many different stories and so many different cultures. Yes, it has. You know, it has sway over the goddamn ocean for fuck's sake. It has like, sway over us. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> like, if our moon goes, we go. Like, yeah. we do not survive without our moon. Yeah. I also love the idea, and this was the inspiration for the top part of my tattoo, mm -hmm. the moon phases and the sun. Um, the moon is the light in the sky at night, but yeah. the moon would not exist and shine if not for the light of the sun. Yeah. So you have to have both. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, no, I, I'm such a dork because I I think I've texted you. I'm like, look at the moon, yes. like just randomly. And I'll be like, I'm going outside. I do that to my friend in Florida too. Like we didn't realize it until she like moved to Florida that we were both obsessed with the moon. So I'll text every once in a while and be like, look at the fucking moon. Yeah. And it's amazing too that you can, depending on where you are on earth, like the yeah. moon is different. Yeah. Like, so cool. Yeah. So obviously I'm obsessed with the moon. <laughs> It's embarrassing. That's all I could ask of you. I have my moon painting up there. You've seen it, right? Although it's not finished. There's a mermaid that's eventually gonna happen. But oh, yeah, pretty, yeah, nice. <laughs> oh Jesus, Mary and Joseph, my parents just came in the front right. area and scared the crap out of me. You can reach us at difficult.damsels <laughs> at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook and Instagram. Great review and subscribe. Thanks. Okay, bye. bye.